Welcome along to Extra Time here on LCFC Radio and LCFC TV with me, Dan Bates, Ewan Roberts, Tony Cotty and Jerry Taggart join me today to look back at that eventful game at Selhurst Park on Sunday. We'll have a bit of a, a look at the start of the season in general and of course these guys will go head-to-head -head in the football Jenga at the end of the show as well. Um, how are you all? Have you all had a good weekend? Obviously, Tony, you and you've been working. Jerry, you've been off on a, a bit of a jolly as well. Yeah, you know, every now and again, we all need a little bit of a break, don't we? So uh, this, been, this trip was sort of has been put off for a couple of years. And uh, so, yeah, it was, it was good to get away with a group of lads playing a bit of golf in the sunshine. So, yeah, very good. Fair glad on. to be back, though. Always glad to get home. Very nice. Uh, how was the game that you were at this weekend, Ewan? Um, boring nil-nil draw, Dan. Um, I weren't too far from the King Power, to be fair. I was at Pride Park. Um, and, and to be fair, you look at Derby's situation and, and bottom of, of, of the championship, but you know, had they not lost that 12 point um, to when they got into administration, I think they'd be something like ninth, eighth or ninth. Three points off the playoffs. And, and to be fair, He's, he's got them playing as Wayne Rooney. He has got them playing. And they're a young group. They're a young group. They're, I, I think they've got a great chance of getting out of trouble. I really do. Uh, and Tony, you were obviously at, at the West Ham game as well yesterday, simultaneous to that, that Leicester one. Yeah, I was, Dan. Yeah, I mean, I had a, a nice afternoon off on Saturday. Didn't sort of do too much. But then yesterday I went to West Ham break. And I'm just saying to you guys, you know, as good as West Ham have been this year, I was really, really impressed with Brentford. I know we'll probably talk about the Premier League games a little bit later on, but they, they, you know, they look a well-organised side. And at the, at the moment, as things stand, you've got to say Brentford are going to stay in the Premier League. They played really well yesterday. Uh, you and obviously you, you worked with us, didn't you, on, on Match Day Live yesterday? Yeah. That, that game with Crystal Palace. And, and as I said in the intro, it was a pretty eventful game, wasn't it? It was. I mean, we were all excited when we when the team news came out what, an hour before kickoff, and we we thought we saw the the the, the four boys up front: Ian Acho par, partnering Jamie Vardy, Barnes on the left, Ian Acho on 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 the right. But yeah, I mean, I don't think they've got enough of the ball to show what they're capable of. Obviously, Vardy and Ian Acho, two great goals in that first half. But I, I just thought they were. Starved of service, I, I, I really did. Um, looking back at the game, I think it's a good point. I think when you look at the statistics, and, and, and I thought Palace had, had the better of possession. I thought they were the better side. I mean, they had 18 shots um, at Casper's goal, not all on target, obviously. Uh, but when you when you allow someone to have that many efforts on your goal, you know something is going to crack and. In that second half, you can't you can't really argue that they didn't deserve the point that they got. And when they scored that second equaliser on seventy-one minutes, you know I was fearing the worst. And to be fair, because I, if if there was one team going to go on to win that game, it was going to going to be Crystal Palace. Sadly, yeah, I don't think it'd be the first time we do today, Jerry. But I'm, I'm going to make a comparison to that Napoli game. Um, mm -hmm. Obviously, a few weeks ago at King Power Stadium, both finished 2-2 when Leicester were 2-0 up. But weirdly, at, at full-time, there was a kind of a mix of emotions as well. Obviously, I think the overriding one was the disappointment of, of losing the 2-0 the lead. But at the same time, as Ewan's rightly said there, Palace could easily have, have won the game as well. Yeah, I think that's the way things are going at the minute. And it was, you know, it's interesting. I always like listening to... 
managers post-match interviews and, and Brendan was bluntly clear and honest about yeah. it and saying that you know they took the lead against the runner play and from the highlights that I've seen you know it, don't get me wrong you know Leicester set up that way to try and hit them on the counter attack whenever they could and, and you know and they both of them goals he scored in the first half all better against the runner play uh, you know we're, we're, we're training ground uh, sessions that the manager would have set up uh, and, and they worked brilliantly and you know the goals that they took were textbook textbook goals uh, from Kelechi you know putting pressure on that's what Brendan wants that high press uh, and obviously Harvey Barnes you know winning that duel in the middle of the field having that ball and Jamie making that trademark run uh, and when he was three on goal he wasn't missing that uh, so yeah so frustration but as you know as we said as the game went on Palace are a good side. You know, there's a lot of there's a lot of teams this season that aren't, will not struggle, and Palace are one of those teams where invariably, and in, you know, seasons gone by, they have a bit, they've had a bit of a struggle just just to stay in the league. Now you've got the likes of West Ham who have improved. Brentford have come in the league, look like they're a decent team, by the way, uh, and Palace are another team that look like a decent team. We're going to cause some issues for a lot of teams, so. I'd have to agree with you. I think when you look at the bigger picture, a draw wasn't a bad result. Whether 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 or not the tickets to goal lead, you always knew the Palace were always in that game, and it was only a matter of time before, like we said against Napoli, you could see them get clawing their way back. You could see that they were going to score goals, they were creating chances, you know, to hit the bar, and what have you. So you've got to say it was a, a fair result, really. Yeah, Leicester themselves have never had a great record either at, at Selhurst Park. And, and you have to give credit, Tony, as, as Jerry rightly has done and, and as uh, Ewan has as well, to Crystal Palace and, and to the job that Patrick Vieira has done already in, in his time there. Yeah, I admire him for, for taking over the job in the first place, Dan, because you looked at that squad under Roy Hodgson, a very ageing squad. You know, there was a lot of players out of contract. And if ever you get to the end of the season... <clears throat> and you've got nine or ten players out of contract that are going to leave, particularly senior players, you, you, you think to yourself, hmm, I'm not sure. I, I, for one, I thought it was going to be a real season of struggle for Palace. It, it might still be, I, I don't know, but you can only look at the initial first seven games, and I agree with what the boys said. It, it's, it, it was a well-organised Palace team. Uh, a lot of youth in there, a lot of athleticism, um, You know, good players as well. It's, it's a nice mixture that Vieira's got. And in the manager, you've got uh, an iconic Premier League player that the players are going to look up to. And, you know, I think every every player, eventually you suss out your manager. You work out whether they're good at managing or they're not good at managing. You know, at the moment, everything's a bit of a, a uphill, um, a, sorry, downhill thing for Palace, isn't it? And everything's going well for them because, you know, you've got that manager they all look up to and, they, and they're performing well. And it's, it's a tough place to go. You know, the, the fans are... Are quite hostile, and it, you know when when it's a packed sellers part, it's it's not one of those games that you look at and think, oh yeah, it's an easy three points. And, and particularly with how Leicester are at the moment, with all the injuries, you know we all know about that. It, it makes a massive difference. You're going to a, a team that that's that's flying at the start of the season with a new manager, and you're struggling without some of your best defenders. It's it's always going to be tough. On a positive, Leicester scored the two goals, and then of course the negative Dan was to concede those two goals and only get a point, but. On reflection, I think it was a good point. You know, it was certainly a point gained as opposed to two lost. 
when you saw a full time as well, you and I know you'll have obviously seen the pictures when Brendan Rodgers and, and the players they went over to the away end. The away end was all still packed, and they were all on their feet clapping, which I think probably gave a bit of an indication to those that were there, realised that that it, it was a hard earned point in the end. And, and yes, we we kind of have to caveat every time we say that that Leicester were two 0 up, and, and you expect a team being 2-0 up to win the game. But actually, it, it was a good point and you could see that reflected from the reaction of the fans and the players. Dan, f- fans aren't stupid. They, they can see when uh, a team's giving it everything. There was no lack of effort. And, and, the, and the fans know it's not quite happening for, for the team at the minute. The, as TC's just alluded to, now, once again, Leicester have been hampered with injuries to key players, which is hurting them at, at the minute. And, you know, Brendan won't make any excuses. He'll, he'll just get on with it. But Leicester fans aren't daft. They can see that there's no lack of effort. Things aren't quite going for them um, at the minute. Yesterday, the start of the season, which I'm sure we'll, we'll talk about, as you said. Um, and, and that's why fans will they'll stick with players who are giving it everything, giving it their all. It's when, it's when they're not giving the team 100%, when they're not putting in that work rate when they're not closing down, when they're not putting tackles in, when they're not putting their bodies on the line. That's when, you know, fans won't forgive players. But, you know, yesterday there was none of that. No, it was, there was loads of honest endeavour. Um, it was just like a few games this season, you know, just a, a, a lack of cohesion, um, a lack of keeping that ball. You know, Palace kept the ball far better than, than Leicester. And uh, as you said, a, a bit like the Napoli game, you know, it was a very, very similar story. Just sloppy in possession, giving the ball away slightly too easy, which does cause you problems. And, and another point you have to add in there, obviously you and you did both that game and the game on Thursday in, in the Europa League as well. And, and that has to be remembered, really, that, that, that there has been that trip to Poland, which they, they did have to recover from. Yeah, I, I was looking at the results on a Sunday, Dan, after, after a game on, on a Thursday night. And Leicester have got a good record. I think that was their 10th yesterday um, on, a, on a Sunday after a, 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 a midweek game on a Thursday. Six of which they've won. You know, OK, they've lost three. And that was the first draw yesterday against Crystal Palace. So it's something that they've coped with. It's something that they've handled. And, and we've spoke about the Europa League and a lot of teams don't embrace it, don't really want to be into it because they think it, it, it's a bit of a failure having not finished in the top five. But not, I don't think that's how... Brendan and, and Leicester City see it. You know, they've embraced it, they've given it their all. And, and, and they've made no excuses going out and playing on a Sunday because, as I've just said, the results, nine times out of ten, showed that they've been positive results. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Joey, what, when you look at, at the result, and, and I know obviously you, you'd you been away, but you probably saw that the way the scoring went is that Leicester went 2-0 up and, and Palace came back and drew. <coughs> I guess you were probably... Firstly, disappointed that the 2 0 lead had gone, but then on reflection, when you've seen that the highlights, you realise that it is a bit of a different story. Yeah, I think, you know, it's just the way things are going at the minute. You know, Leicester haven't really hit the heights of, of the beginning of the season last year when they got off their great start. Uh, and for whatever reason, obviously, injuries and, you know, come into that, definitely. I think, you know, for all being honest, Johnny Evans not being fit is a massive miss. And I think, yeah. You know, even Vestergaard, who's a vastly experienced uh, centre-half. I think Johnny Evans just has that calmness about him. He has that experience and he's, and he's that vocal on the pitch. 
And I think you can see that with some of the goals that are being conceded. And I'm not trying to take anything away from the other lads, but I think the one missing link at the minute that sort of shores everything up and gives the other player, players confidence when they are under pressure and their backs are against the wall and then they come through those tough situations, that gives them your midfielders and your forwards that extra bit of confidence to, to then keep the ball and take a bit of pressure off the back players. And at the minute, you know, it's just not happening for whatever reason, whether it's defensively or, or, or offensively. It's just not, we're just not clicking into gear at the minute. But we're still creating chances, still scoring goals. You know, so that's the major positive. It's just at the minute we're just conceding more goals. Well, I'm not saying we're, we're conceding more goals, but we're conceding as many goals as we're scoring. And that shows, in, I think, you know, the last two Premier League games, uh, and obviously the game against Napoli. Well, we can talk about the goals now, Tony. Um, it's, it's nice having two strikers regularly on, on extra time now that we can talk about goals a little bit more. Not that Jerry was... was well, I'm just... <laughs> I, can, I can relax now for five minutes, can I? <laughs> <laughs> um, we'll, we'll do the, the Kledgy and Acho one first, obviously, because that came first. Jerry referenced it was very much off the training ground in a way that it just they, they pressed up field. And, and that's what high-pressing and high-intensity play does. It, it can force mistakes from the opposition. Absolutely, yeah. And I, I think it. I think it would be fair to say that it would be something that comes naturally for Jamie Vardy. Um, you know, certain forwards pressing and closing down defenders. Going back to the good old days, there was a there was this young lad called Ian Rush who weren't too bad at doing that. Game. That was that was back in the nineteen eighties, and everyone it drives me mad because everyone goes on about oh the high press and they're doing something different now. No, they're not. Rushy was doing it forty years ago. <laughs> but you also had a lot of lazy people like me and Gary Lineker, etc., who did want to do things like that. I think the difference is now, leading on to my point, is Jamie it comes naturally. I would say someone like Kalecci doesn't come naturally. I, I think it's something that he's trying to add to his game, that he's working hard. I think, you know, would you have seen Kalecci doing that maybe a year, maybe two years ago? Probably not. But the way the team's pressed, the, the way the team has pressed Leicester, and they, they've sort of shuffled the ball across. They they played the ball a couple of times, Palace, didn't they? And yeah, listen, tags and talk about it more than me. But defensively, it does my head in because you, all you're doing is passing the ball sideways or square or whatever backwards, not going anywhere. Eventually, you've got to get the ball yeah. forward. But if you do dilly dally on the ball like they did, Palace, I think it was Anderson, wasn't it? Who just it was a poor touch. But you know, I want to give Kalechi praise because. It's not something I've naturally seen from him. He's obviously worked it. They've obviously worked it in training. And if you can get it into strikers' heads, that if you win the ball in that final third, you've got less to run to the goal. You know, if you're winning the ball in the halfway line or in your own half, there's a long, long way to go. If you can win the ball when it is in the, in the, uh, the, the defensive team's own half, it makes life a lot easier. But having said all that and giving him praise for closing down, the one thing that was absolutely certain once he got the ball, went through 1v1 yeah. on the goalkeeper, was the ball was going in the back of the net. And again, you can't stress how hard it is to make it look so easy. Because, you know, when he went through, you know, you see so many players go through, you get so frustrated. They, they go through there, you can see their rabbits in their headlights, they don't know what to do, what's my decision, what am I going to do? And by that time, you're either tackled, goalkeeper smothers it, or you make the wrong decision. With Kalecci, you've got that, class that we go through and if you watch the slow motion which I did this morning and he just a little glance up his head goes up awareness look where is the goal what am I going to do and it's just 
he made it look so easy, Dan, and that's the biggest compliment I can pay. When a ball just his strokes, and we spoke about the great Jimmy Greaves passing, didn't we, last week? And Greavesy made it look easy. And if you can just stroke the ball and side foot the ball past the goalkeeper, you're doing something right, and it shows you've got special talent. So let's give him praise for two things: for the closing down, and then the quality <laughs> of the finish. Is is it what separates a, a good to a great to a, a very good to an excellent striker, Tony? That that ability to calm down in, in situations like that because I think probably any, anyone can maybe do an instinctive finish mm. when you don't need to think about it. But when you throw on goal like that and you have so many options in your mind, do you chip, do you go, do you blast it, do you plate it? It must be quite difficult. There's two things that immediately spring to mind, Dan, in terms of finishing. I think the first one, and I've spoken about this before, you heard me a couple of weeks ago talking about it, is the first touch whether that's in the penalty area, whether it's a first-touch finish or whether you take the touch to then do the finish. The first touch in the box is one of the most important things because that sort of defines what you're going to achieve in terms of putting the ball in the back of the net. And the second thing as well, and this is something that Kelechi has got in abundance, is that ability to just, you know, just be laid back and just be calm and cool and calm and collective, really, and not rush your thoughts because... As I say, you see players going through who are not used to being in that situation. And you can see in their eyes, what do I do? What do I do? I don't know what to do. And, you know, with him, it was just open the body and, and he stroked it past the goalkeeper as if he was in training and he'd run through in a training match and he just made it look so, so easy. So it is that calmness when you're in that situation and then it's the execution as in that first touch, get the ball in the right place. He opened his body up, he just rolled it past him. It was a fantastic finish, it really was. Yeah, as Tony said, you and there was no doubt, was there really, that, that Kelechi was scoring when he goes through it. And again, that's testament to to how Kelechi's been in, in the last sort of year and a, a bit. I mean, we, we all knew he could finish. You know, we all saw what he was capable of when he got the odd opportunity up at Man City. You know, that's what <coughs> why Leicester paid, what, £25 million for him to, to get his services. So we, we all knew he, he could finish from, from a very early age. Yeah, he's had to be patient. He hasn't had too many opportunities. He was magnificent last season, what, 12 goals in 25 Premier League appearances, 19 in, in all competitions, by far his, his best total in his, in his career. And once he picked Anderson's pocket and gone through one-on-one. As TC said, there was ever only going to be one outcome. And I don't think you can coach that. Um, I don't think, I think that's something that you have naturally, that that calmness, that coolness in front of goal. I, I wasn't great in a 1v1 situation, I have to say, as TC's alluded to, rabbit in the head, like um, all sorts of things going through. I'm like, what am I going to do? Am I going to take it rather deep? I'm going to take it early. And if you did it and Dali, as, as the lads have said, you, you'll, someone will get back and put a tackle in and the chance is gone. I was more instinctive, something just dropping to me and hitting it. But Kelechi's cool. Um, and, you, you know, that's, that's why he's, he's playing at the highest level. That's why he got all those goals last season. And it's been a frustrating time for him um, at the beginning of this season. It was his birthday yesterday, as we said as well, Now he was 25 yesterday, so it was a nice little birthday present for himself. And you just get the feeling that, you know, I said yesterday that before yesterday's game, there weren't much difference in, in goals conceded in the first six games. The biggest difference was, I think, in the first six games of last season, Leicester had scored 14 goals compared to seven in the beginning of, 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 of this season. And that's why it's been a bit of a, a, a sticky start. If you can get Kelechi and somehow fit those two up front, Vardy and Kelechi, 
then they will they will they will find the goals that will get Leicester back up towards <coughs> that top four. Yeah, it's the, the goals he scored since it was around about February time, really, Jerry, wasn't it? That Kletchi and Acho mm. came into the team the back end of last season and just went ballistic, didn't he? Just kept scoring, kept scoring, kept scoring. It seems like since February, we, we've been talking about him almost every week. <coughs> yeah, and he's, you know, he finished highest goal scorer last year, which, you know, whereas, you know, Jamie's been the highest goal scorer for as long as we're going to all remember, basically. And then for Kletchi to, to go and finish high, highest goal score, you know, was, was a great achievement. And, you know, I don't want to say the pennies finally dropped with Kalechi, but he, he, he's a different player. And maybe he's, he's just become a bit more mature in himself. Uh, he's obviously gained a lot of confidence from scoring goals. I think what works well between them two when they play alongside each other, and Tony's probably a better person to ask is, there's balance between the pair of them because one's left-footed, one's right-footed mainly. And so they give each other that balance to play off each other as well as all the interplay and understanding the runs that they make. Uh, I think sometimes sometimes managers are always looking for that balance in a team and especially up front with a left-footed striker and a right-footed striker. And I think that adds to that partnership. So he's a lot, he looks a lot more confident when he's on a pitch. He understands the role that he's in the team to play a lot more better. We've seen that perfectly yesterday because that was probably one of the issues that he had before he was getting in the team regular was his uh, defensive work, his closing down when he didn't have the ball at his feet. But, you know, yesterday's goal was, was a trademark. Brendan Rodgers sent the forward set up without the ball uh, and, you know, he got his rewards for that. So... Every time he scores a goal that's not, you know, involving 10, 15 passes, him making a little, a little slide run down the side of the defence and then slotting it in, you know, that will give him more and more confidence. And that, it also gives him belief in what the manager's doing and, and all the players more belief in what the manager's doing. So, you know, it's a big, big tick in the box for Kelechi. Yeah, well, what do you think about the partnership, both for, for you and, and, and Tony, but Tony first, that the partnership between Jamie Vardy and, and Kelechi and Acho, just as Jerry says, seems to work very well together. It's got the balance, as, as, as you said, of, of the left footer and the right footer. Yeah, I think it, it, it's always a bonus if you can get a left foot and a right foot at that. It's not essential. Um, you know, I'm, I'm personally, when I played up front, I, I actually like playing on the left-hand side. Um, and people say, well, you're not left-footed. I said, well, no, but when I'm moving the ball inside, I'm coming onto my right foot. Whereas if you're on the right-hand side, you're moving the ball inside, you're going to hit the shot with your left foot. So there was a method behind my madness. Um, but you know, I think both of them, you know, they've got great movement. They've got great awareness and understanding of each other's game. And they can, they can play left and right and right and left. They can swap over and they can do that. I think the one thing it says to me, and I'm not, manager of Leicester City Football Club. But the one thing it says to me is that Leicester are going to be a much more dangerous team with those two up front than if you only play one up front. Um, I've always been a fan of two up front. I don't think... I, I know I know football goes through phases and cycles and, oh, it's great and trendy to play one up front and all that. I yeah. understand that. But there is always room for two up front. And basically, you can put two players up front and you can pick whatever system you want behind them. You can have a back three. You can have a back four. You can have four in midfield, five in midfield. You can do three in midfield. You can do 
4-3-1-2. There's so many different formations. But by having those two players, I think, firstly, it puts the opposition on the back four because if they're playing a back four, the back four have really got to look to, to manage the front two. If there's only one up front, it's down two centre-halves, wing-back, uh, full-backs pushing, it gives them the advantage from a, an attacking point of view. So, you know, I think it's something that Brendan's probably wanted to do. I don't know why, only Brendan knows why he didn't start with Kelechi at the start of the season. But going forward, I think it's something that I want to see as an ex-forward. I don't know about you, but it's something I want to see. I want to see Leicester play two up front. And then as all the injured players come back, you can pick your best players behind them. But it will give them more options going forward. Yeah, the, the thing is with Kelechi as well, you and we, we referenced on the show, didn't we, that he, he can drop in. He can yeah, drop yeah. behind Jamie Vardy if he has to as well. And they, they have. They've, they've, got, they've got different strengths. Jamie's better with the ball in front of him. He, he's got that electric pace. He loves playing on, on defenders' shoulders. Um, Kelechi has got that other string to his bow, if you like. Of He can drop slightly deeper. You know, he, he is comfortable with his back to goal. He is comfortable at receiving the ball to his feet and getting it on the half turn and, and then maybe sliding the ball into um, into Jamie Vardy. I mean, there was one instance in that second half where he's, he has dropped deeper and he's someone's played a good ball up to him, great awareness, great first touch, he's turned and he's pinged the ball out to Harvey Barnes on the left-hand side. He can do that. And it's not, it's not just about having those two up front. You know, you've got to mix things up. One's got to come slightly deeper. One's got to make those forward runs as Jamie, you know, nine times out of ten will do. And they've, they've shown, Dan, that when they play together, you know, they score goals. And as, as Tony has alluded to there, you know, somehow Brendan has to find a system because they're a massive goal threat. A massive goal threat. Yeah, one of the stats, Jerry, actually, that we read out on Match Day Live after, after the game yesterday um, was that in the games that they've started up front together in the Premier League, which is 32, mm. between them they've scored 33 goals. There you go. No, you don't need the ad any more than that. And that's, yeah, what, nah. that's the only thing you really need to look at. Uh, you know, Tony's just mentioned that, you know, set, you know, managers go three cycles and <clears throat> we all know that probably Brendan's most favourite position at the uh, formation at the minute is that 4-2-3-1. When he first came in, he, he was playing a 4-3-3 with the two number eights uh, in Madison and uh, two lemons. Uh, he's changed to three centre halves with a two up front and found that was very successful. Uh, and now, you know, you see yesterday's playing a 4 4 2, but again, it's about round pegs round, and round holes and playing your, your strongest 11 in any given game. And it, it may not be your preferred formation, but if you've got your 11 best players on the pitch and playing them where they need to play because that's where you're going to get the best out of them then you have a better chance of winning a game uh, and that start speaks for itself that's not a fluke that's not a one-off that shows that over that course of 32 games those two produce the goods you know and Tony's right there is a place for playing two up front Burnley have been playing two up front ever since they got in the Premier League and they're very very successful at it and I know they play a slightly different style of football to Leicester, but you can manage any formation as long as you are playing 
your best players in their best positions. And I think that's another main thing for me is you have to put round pegs around holes. Speaking of, of best players and, and best formations, Tony, I think no matter what formation you play, Jamie Vardy will play for Leicester City, given the form particularly that he's in as well at the start of this season. And that goal was, was so good. The finish was so good from Jamie Vardy. Well, I'm going to say exactly the same thing that I said about Kalechi's finish. It, it was, again, it was another stunning finish from Jamie, making it look so easy. And again, you know, great and credit to the boys, you know, that pressure on the halfway line, they, they win the ball, Harvey gets it. And when, when you get running like that with a ball, which he's so good at, it's just, it's really just about picking the right option. Yeah, Kalechi on the right, you've got Jamie on the left, you've got to make that decision. And also you've got to give the good pass as well. His pass was almost inch perfect, wasn't it, Harvey? The defender just stretched his leg out. It's just gone past the defender. And to be fair to Jamie, he's just got to check a little bit to just to get the ball in that right position. But once he gets the ball where he wants it, again, he makes it look so simple. And it's, an, it's that getting that first touch, as I keep going on about getting the ball in front of you, it makes life so much easier. But then you've still got that calmness that you've got to have that I described with Kalechi's goal. You know, it, we always talk about going across the goalkeeper, but... You don't always have to do that. You've got to assess that situation. You've got to make an instant decision. If you take another touch, you're either going to get closed down by the keeper or the defender will wipe you out. But not with Jamie. Again, he just stroked the ball into net, made it look really, really easy. What's he got? Six Premier League goals so far in seven games. It's, a, it's an outstanding return. I think if you're looking to be a top goal scorer, if you're playing 38 league games, you're looking for a return of one in every two games. In other words, you're going to get 19, 20 league goals I think if you get to the end of the season and you've got that in the Premier League, having played 38 games, you've had a hell of a season. The way Jamie's going, he's got six in seven. And, you know, I, listen, there's injuries, all sorts of things that come into a season and tiredness, etc. But in Jamie Vardy, Le Leicester have got a player who's in dynamic form. He's always been a top goal scorer. And again, his goal, he made it look so easy yesterday. It, it looked for all the world like he was going to go across the goalkeeper. He, he opened his body up, didn't he? he? Even looked that way, and then he just knocked it into the near post. Yeah, he did, and you know that's that's what I'm talking about with making that decision, Dan. And you know, as a youngster, you're always taught to go across the the, the goalkeeper. But where Jamie's on the left hand side of the field, he's got that option with his right foot because as, as long as you open your body up, which he did. You've got the ability to curl it past the keeper. Sometimes you can go through the keeper. If the keeper's standing there with his legs wide open, put it through his legs. Or you can whip it to the near post. It gives you so many options. But the key to everything for Jamie was getting the ball in the right position, which he did fantastically well. Yeah, absolutely. We, we were very impressed with you. And in particular, I know that you'll probably say, now you're about the, the nine times out of ten, yeah. you're doing a Thierry Henry, opening your body up and, and putting it in that far corner. I, I think because... And we spoke about it yesterday. And because you've got more margin for error, you've got more of the goal to hit. And the goalkeeper in that position, he naturally closes that angle down. He wants you to go to his left, which gives him more, more of an opportunity. He didn't have a lot of, of goal to hit, to be fair. But he knew what he wanted to do. That's the thing. You know, there was no hesitation. He knew where he wanted to put it. Had that couple of touches to get out of his, out of his feet. Um, and it was it was a magnificent finish, you know. To me personally, I would always go to the to the goalkeeper's left because I say you've got more more of the the goal to hit. It, it, I mean, he, I look at Jamie Vardy's goals and his performances in in the opening seven games. 
he looks as good now as what he ever has done, I think, for Leicester. He's still got that desire. He's still got that pace. The goals that he scored have been absolutely magnificent. You know what? And I, and I was talking about it yesterday. And last season, he got seven goals in his first eight games, but five of those came from the penalty spot. So, I mean, he hasn't had a penalty yet. And he's, he's already, I mean, before Mo Salah's magnificent goal for Liverpool um, last night, he was top scorer of, of the Premier League. And I was, I was, I was telling you, he's, he, that goal yesterday, um, I think he's now 17th in the all-time Premier League goal-scoring chart. He needs four more to go above Nicholas and Elka, Robbie Keane and Jimmy Floyd Hasselbank. And I think he needs 10, no, sorry, he needs 16 to go above Michael Owen, who is in 10. That is well achievable. That is well achievable for Jamie Vardy. Yeah, it, it's just been incredible. One final word on, on him, Jerry, before we look at the, the Crystal Palace goals, is, is every single one of Jamie Vardy's six goals in the league so far this season seem a bit different, don't they? As you and said, none of them penalties. They've all been mm-hmm. really good finishes in, in one instance or the other. Well, it's quite simple. Danny knows what he's doing in the box, doesn't he? And I think whatever situation he finds himself in, and again, the two lads probably better than me, but I think over the years, uh, and we spoke about Jimmy's longevity, and, and the, longer you, the longer you play up there, the more years you spend it at the top league, it's almost like it becomes easier because your brain takes over your decision-making. You're not a rabbit in the headlights. You don't sort of uh, have, a, have a mental block in front of the goal. You know exactly what's going to happen before the ball comes there. You know exactly which run you're going to make when the ball's in a wide position because he's been in that situation so many times before. And as Ewan rightly says, he looks as good as ever. And it's his brain that's taken over. And everything else just clicks into place. Uh, so the, as long as you can keep Jamie Vardy fit, yeah. and keep him running around inside that box, then he will score goals because he's been in all those situations so many times over his career. And he'll probably miss one or two. Do you know what I mean? So it goes, right, I know what I'm doing next time. Next time that happens, it's in the back of the net. And invariably, that's what you're saying to Jamie and I. Converting those half chances or converting a cross or a pass from out wide and thinking, where's he come from? Because his football brain takes over. His football intelligence. Uh, and that's why you're saying the return. Well, not, it's not the reason why you're saying the return that he's, you know, he's given right now, but it's a, it's a part of it. A good part of it that is longevity <clears throat> and, his, and, and his football brain just click in the gear in certain situations and his technique, everything else does the rest. Yeah, that, that's the positive part of it, the game yesterday. The negative part, obviously, in that second half, Jerry, the, the, the two goals for, for Crystal Palace. What did you make of, of them? Let's talk about the first one, obviously, in, in particular. And yeah, I, I, that, I, I, was, go on. I can be hypercritical. Of the defender for the first one from Elise. You know, as the ball comes across uh, and he takes a pot shot first time, doesn't really connect with it. But what, I can't remember if it was Vestergaard or, or who, who it was who, who went out and challenged him. But what they did, they turned their back on the ball. And as it hit him, they're half turned, half facing their own goal. And when the ball bounces to Elise again, <laughs> There's that small window of opportunity. If you take one straight on the chest and don't turn your back and that ball pops up in the air, 
then that ball becomes a 50-50. So I'm being hypercritical here, but that's the difference between, you know, at least getting that second chance to volley it into the back of the net or it becoming a 50-50 ball. And just by putting pressure on him, it then becomes a, a more high-tariff finish for Elise. But it's a free shot after a rebound. <laughs> and I just think if the defender there takes one Bertrand, in the face, I think it was face, Sorry? I think it was Bertrand, I think it was. Bertrand, was it? Yeah, yeah, Bertrand. I think if he takes one in the chest or in the face, there's a better chance that goal doesn't happen. And I am being hypercritical, but sometimes you've got to take one for the team. <laughs> Wherever that is on your body, uh, so that's who that's the only issue I have. You know, we we can talk about the lead up to the goal, the ball coming in from uh, the left hand side. But I think by that stage, you know, Palace were well in the game, they're taking control of the game, and so the, it's all right being critical about what what happens out wide. You've got to give Palace credit for that because they had up the ante somewhat. They were playing the pressure on Leicester in that second half. And the work, you know, we all know when in those situations as defenders, when your backs are against the, the wall, you have to be right on point. And it's them little fine margins that we always talk about. And that was the fine margin for me, was take it straight in the face or take it straight in the chest, and then that ball becomes a fight ball. You've got a chance of clearing it second time round. Yeah, the, the second one was probably even more frustrating in that sense, Tony. There were chances to clear the ball, weren't there, before it was eventually headed in by Schlott. Yeah, I'm just sort of thinking, Dan, I think if you've got, coming back to the defensive injuries, if you've got your main men in the middle, you know, your Johnny Evans, your Fafanas, your Soyuncus, and I think, in a way, you would almost encourage them to cross the ball because you know that you've got your big boys in there who are going to head it clear and, and get the get rid of the ball. But of course, if you haven't got those defensive players in them, and indeed you're missing as well, of course, you know if you haven't got those defensive players, then I think you have to work harder to stop the cross. Mm -hmm. That would be my criticism: is like just work harder, don't let them cross the ball because as soon as that ball comes into the box, we saw it with the first goal. And then we saw it with the second goal. Yes, of course, they're good crosses and it was difficult to defend. But, you know, you're just thinking there was just mistakes made. The ball eventually loops up in the air. I think it was Castagna. He's on, he's on the byline. And again, you know, a schoolboy rule is if you're, if you're unsure as a defender, and I was hopeless as a defender, but I know if I'm standing on the byline and I don't know what I'm doing, sometimes you do not get a call. It's just part of football. So a lot of the time people say, hit it away clear it, volley it, whatever, you get an instruction. If you don't get an instruction, you have to make that split-second decision that I'm talking about as a forward. You have to make it as a defender. And the one thing you don't do is head the ball back into play. You just put it, just flip back header, put it out for a corner, and everyone will say, well, why didn't you clear it? And you say, tell me, and I'll clear it. But he just got caught in two minds, Castagna. He did deal with it, and then the ball was played back in. I think it came off Vestergaard as well. Perhaps Vestergaard could have cleared it as well. You know, it was just a, sort of almost like a catalogue of errors. And as so often happens, you get a player playing against his old club who scores against Leicester. You know, in, in Jeff Slup. But it was the first goal was a poor goal. Tags has explained it very well why it was so poor. But the second goal for me as well. There were so many times they could have cleared the ball. And, you know, it just, it just made for, for painful watching, really, and a poor goal to concede. Yeah, so it finished 2-2 uh, then at Sellers Park, which leaves Leicester on eight points after their 
seven games at, at the start of the season, you and how how would you sum up the, the start of the season so far for the Foxes? Um, slow, but disappointing. Um, you look back at that, the West Ham performance at the London Stadium, I mean, that's the worst that I've seen Leicester play for a, for, for a very long time. I think they've been unlucky in games, Dan. I look at that Man City game at the King Power and on another day, with a, a little bit of luck, they come away from that game with with at least a point. The Brighton game, which we spoke about um, a couple of weeks ago, I thought decision went went against them. So on another occasion, they could have they could have got something from that point uh, from that game. Away from home, slightly disappointing. You know, one win in in four, and that came against the 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 bottom team, Norwich, and and I think that's the big difference at the start of this season compared to, to last season. I mean, last season, Leicester were unplayable away from home. I think they won six of their first seven away games. You know, they've, they've already lost two away from home to West Ham and Man City. Two tough places to go, you know, I make no bones about that. And they're not easy to, to, to sorry, it's not Man City, right? Brighton I'm talking. They lost two, yeah, Brighton, sorry. Last season away from home, Leicester only lost three games. You know, away from home, their form was unbelievable last season. Defensively, as the lads have, have spoken about, you know, not great. I think the, they've got the worst defensive record in, in the top 15, so that has to get better. Um, the two goals yesterday, if I can go, they were scruffy goals. It's not as if Leicester mm. were open wide. They were scruffy goals. They were avoidable goals. But all in all, looking back at, at, at the start of the season, disappointing, Dan, if I, if, if I can use that word. Yeah, but, but you, you expect, Jerry, that, that Leicester will obviously turn it around because they've got the quality in the squad, they've got a quality manager. It will come good. It's it's just just time. not gone their way yet. Yeah, it's all about time. Simple as that. You know, and uh I, I've no doubt they'll come back. They've got too many good players. You know, it's as simple as that. It's just about being patient, finding you know, again, you listen to Brendan's post match interview. It's about finding the balance of the team, which, so we, you know, he'll admit himself that he's still trying to search for that, you know, that magic formula, considering the amount of players that are right injured. And, and of those players that are right in, injured defensively, how many would start on any given week? And you'd have to say there's two or three in there. You know, definitely Johnny Evans, for me, comes straight back in and plays alongside whoever, he's number one. I think that's clear. Well, it's clear for me to see. And I'm going to say that's not trying to take anything away from anybody else. But I think, again, along when you talk about Jamie Vardy, you talk about Johnny Evans in the same vein, but only in a defensive way. You know, he's experienced the trials and tribulations, you know, triumphants he's been through in his career set him apart from the other players in, in that defence, just like it does with Jamie Fardy up front, sets him apart. And that is probably the one main aspect of a, a defensive backline that's missing at the minute for me. But there's other players, Fafana, James Justin, you know, two or three others that when they're fit, they apply, they apply pressure on the <laughs> other defenders to make sure that they're doing their job right. And so that all becomes a little melting pot of its own that back line. And so invariably, when you've got players fighting for uh, competition for places, 
then the standard automatically rises. Brendan Rodgers doesn't have to do too much then, whereas now he's fighting with himself, Brendan, and the staff to try and find that formula because there is a lack of bodies in that defensive area. Yeah, final point then on, on Leicester, Tony. And, and you know, it, it, not one to make excuses, but you, you look back in, in the last few seasons, the start of this one as well, you can go as far back as Project Restart when Leicester came back and they had players out and they had injury problems. Towards the end of last season, of course, they had a lot of injury problems. And then now at the start of this one, they have as well. And and it is a shame because if if the core group could could stay together, they, they would and, and they, they hopefully still will achieve an awful lot. Yeah, I think the point is, Dan, is to emphasise is not to panic. You know, of course, it's been a slightly disappointing start to the season. You know, if you look at... Leicester in 13th position. You know, are Leicester fans happy with that? No. Are the players and management? No, of course they're not. But you've got to put it in perspective and you've got to look at those injuries. You can't dissect the first seven games without mentioning the injuries because it makes a massive difference. We look at the top four. You've got the predicted top four. They're all in those top four positions. But even at a club like Man City or Chelsea or whatever, if you've got three of their outstanding defenders missing... Even with the, the vast rich riches that those clubs have got, they're still going to struggle. And it's still, it would be harder. All right, maybe they won't be in first position. They'll be in fourth position, as an example. But it's still all in relation. Or Even the big clubs would struggle. Look at Liverpool. Mm-hmm. Rocked away with the league. Lose Van Dijk. Lose Gomez. They was a completely different team last year. So, it, you know, even the big clubs can't deal with the major, major injuries. And if you've got Evans, Fafana... Ricardo, Justin, all these top players, and Didi didn't play at the week, all, all players that contribute and help to Leicester to become the, the good defensive outfit they have been over the last couple of years. It's all right having the Kalecchis and Jamies and that we're, we're, we're eulogising about, but if you haven't got those defensive players, it makes it very, very difficult. But my advice to all the Leicester fans, don't panic. Let's wait for the injured players to get back. Every time of a week, we've got a two-week break now with the international break. It gives the players a little bit more time to get back. And then once you get to Christmas time and then you've got all your defensive players back, then hopefully we'll see Leicester slowly climb that table. And the ultimate aim, as we know, Dan, is to get into Europe. And you can get into Europe many, many ways. You know, they're still in the Europa League. You've got the league position. So there's many ways to get into Europe. So, you know, it's just a little bit of patience and let's wait for those players to come back because it does make a big difference. Uh, it sounded to me, Jerry, like Tony was saying that defenders are more important than uh, than strikers. Uh, <laughs> that, At to. times, then. <laughs> there's a, there's an old saying, isn't there? An old football cliche that forwards win your games, defenders win your championships. But yeah. I don't know how true that is, and I didn't make that up. But I'm just chucking it out there one more time. <laughs> Right, we always get you to pick one game at, at the weekend that caught your eye. You and I, I think I know what your answer will be. What the, the Premier League? Probably. The, yeah, the, I'm going to go. For, I'm, I'm going to go for one that obviously I live in Norwich, played there for seven years. They got their first point in 17 Premier League games on Saturday up at Burnley in a, in a boring nil-nil draw. But that's what they needed because they were getting so close to breaking Sunderland's 20-game, 20, um, 20, 20 consecutive defeats in the Premier League. So, yeah, they've, they've got their first point in, in seven games. Hopefully they can kick on now. 
You see, I, I thought you were going to go for the one that followed the uh, the Leicester game yesterday, actually. But no, that's that's a, a good one. Uh, Jerry, you might go for that. You're not in a line. Well, there was there was a few good games, weren't there? I think you know the Man United Everton game. I thought was an excellent game, even though there was only two goals. I thought Everton were excellent. On the day, I thought there, there's another team who you know have a really good chance of doing you know some really good things this season, along with Alexa West Ham. You mentioned Brighton. Brighton this season are an improved team. Uh, but yeah, you, you you couldn't take your eyes off that game, could you? Liverpool. Uh, Man City game I think it was excellent everyone goes on about Salah's goal of course was absolutely out of this world but again I thought Phil Foden's finish was right up there as well I mean he, he there's, that's the only place in the goal league can put that ball yeah, yeah. to get a pass to get a pass uh, Alisson I mean it's a fantastic finish absolutely fantastic finish for me uh, but it was just a great game it was one of those games you get every so often in the Premier League and you wonder why the, the Premier League is so global. And that game yesterday epitomises what the Premier League is all about. Just end to end, both teams going for the win. Uh, you know, one team hits that knockout blow with a goal. The other team comes back. Then they go back and forward, back and forward. Then it takes a world-class goal, you know, to get back uh, to get back in, in, in front. And then... You know, Man City come back again uh, and score another fantastic goal as well. You know, the Bruyner will add equaliser. Just it was just a great game. Yeah, you, you can't talk about that game without mentioning the block as well at the, at the end, Tony <laughs> from uh, from Rodri when you look for all the world like Fabinho was was going to get a late winner there. I wish I'd have seen it, Dan. I haven't had time to see it. You know, that's what happens when you go to West Ham and you have a few beers after the game. You don't watch it. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, listen, it was obviously a fantastic game. I listened to bits of it on the radio on the way home, so I, I haven't seen it yet. But, um, I mean, there's a couple of games I'd like to mention. Tag's already touched on it. I really enjoyed the Man United-Everton game, particularly being a, an ex-Everton player. And Everton without their front two as well. Mm -hmm. We're talking about defenders. They've got Richarlison and Calvert-Lewin missing as well. So to go to Old Trafford, that was a fantastic point. But the key game of the weekend, Dan, you've probably got to say, it was Leeds-Watford. From the point of view, Leeds got their first victory, which is a massive result for them. And as a result of that, Watford have lost their manager. So that was, in terms of the Premier League, that was probably the key game. And guess who's going to get the Watford job? We all know his name, Mr yeah. Claudio Ranieri. Absolutely. Well, when you go back and, and watch those highlights, Tony, you'll see the block and, and you'll know exactly what I'll talk about it next yeah, we'll do. <laughs> uh, exactly, in a couple of weeks. Uh, right, okay, it is time um, to end the show then, and we can do that with our uh, football Jenga. Now, it didn't go too well last week, did it, Tony? It didn't go on that, that far. Oh, I'm nervous. Uh, but, uh, hopefully, it will go uh, a little bit further this week. <clears throat> so, as Jamie Vardy scored his 124th Premier League goal yesterday, it put in 17th in the Premier League goals chart. Now, as a result, I want you to name the players in the top 30, which is coincidentally all of those players that have got 100 goals in the Premier League. Now, I hope you were listening to Ewan earlier, because he did mention a few of these names, which would make me smile. So, um, he can start us <laughs> off then, Ewan, please. So, a quick reminder then, the top 30 Premier League all-time goal scorers. I'm going to go Alan Shearer. Uh, Jerry, you're up next, please. Terry Henry. And Tony. Robbie Keane. Uh, 
Wayne Rooney. Robbie Fowler. Matt Letizia. Oh. <clears throat> Frank Lampard. Jimmy Floyd, Hasselbank. <laughs> oh, he's mixed it. He's mixed it. Have we said Michael Owen already? Or I, 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 no, no, Michael Owen. Yeah. Les Ferdinand. Ian Wright. Ian Wright, right, right. Sergio Aguero. Robbie Keane. <laughs> Have you really? I said it right at the start, you. Yeah. I'm not writing them down, am I? You no, keep no, am I? doing this to yourself every time you and goes out, it's because he repeats Jesus. it. Um, right, well, it's between Jerry and Tony then. Mm. Uh, Harry Kim. Oh, good one, Sag. So produce that, didn't you? <laughs> uh, Didier Drogba. Rude Van Nistelrooy. Mm. Don't know that one, Tags. No. I don't know where we've got 100 goals, so I'm going to go with Stevie G. No, Rude Van Nistelrooy, sorry, is uh, it's not. Stephen Jarrett did, so you've, you've won it there, Tony. Uh, but Rude Van Nistelrooy. Tags. Sorry? Yeah, Rude Van Nistelrooy didn't get 100. What? Wow. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Boom, TC. Ooh. <laughs> so, yeah. uh, Dan, I've got 78 by the way, but the other 140 don't count in the old division. I know, I knew as soon as I was doing it, Tony. As soon as I was doing it, I was thinking Tony's 100 percent gonna say something here. So oh, sorry, yeah. I had to get that in. But at least yeah. I improved from last week's performance. Like takes last week, last week, Dan done all this research for me and Elliot and, and I I'll ask him about two questions. Didn't he? <laughs> <laughs> he finished. <laughs> so I've redeemed myself, Dan, haven't I? Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, it's, it's uh, it was a good one. That I'll read out some of the names that you, you missed between you. Dennis um, Bergkamp. No. No, no. no. So Andy Cole, Darren Ben, Dion Dublin, Dwight York, Emil Heskey, Jamie Vardy, you could have said, Jermaine Defoe, Mo Salah, Nicholas Anelka, Paul Scholes, Peter Crouch, Robin Van Persie, Romelu Lukaku, Ryan Giggs, Stephen Gerrard, as Tony said, and Teddy Sheringham. Oh, so, I'm Teddy Sheringham. <laughs> I was leaving him right till the end because I thought he was going to get that. <laughs> yeah, no, it was good there. And Andy Cole. And well, but I thought, Rui Van Nistelrooy, he's done it, he's scored 100 goals in the Premier League. No, we can go got, but yeah, not, not quite 100. So, um, there we go. Well, well done, Tony. Anyway, you've redeemed yourself, as you said, from last week. Uh, thanks to you and Roberts, um, Tony Cotty and, and Jerry Taggart, of course. There'll be no extra time next week, obviously, with it being um, the international break. But we'll all be back for that uh, Manchester United game after the international break so do join us for that on Match Day Live but see you later guys cheers boys